Good evening. Let's pray together. Lord, you are the greatest of all time, and you never change, you never waver, you never fail, and you never back down. Lord, you're the author and the finisher of our faith. God, you are the one who was slain from the foundation of the world, and we come to you tonight with hopeful hearts, knowing that you have equipped us in the fight, God, Lord, that you have called us into the battle of the Lord, that you have made us your sons and daughters, your ambassadors for the kingdom. And I pray tonight, Jesus, as we look into the Word, as we peer through the pages of Scripture, I pray that you would soften our hearts, that you would stir our affections, that you would open our eyes to see and our ears to hear and our hearts to receive all that you have for us so that we might not miss a thing. Lord, we're grateful that you've even invited us into your story. It's your story. It's not our story. It's not our narrative. God, it's yours. And you've pinned this thing. So tonight we lay down our pride and we come with humility to your scripture and we say, speak to us, Lord, in only a way that you can. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Isn't it good to be with brothers and sisters in Christ, gathering together, singing anthems about the Lord and his glory? It's a good thing. If you have your Bibles, go with me to uh, 1 Samuel. In your notes, we're going to end up in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, but I want you, if you will, to turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 16. And if I had to title tonight's sermon, if I had to put some, some skin on the ideas that we're going to talk about, there would be three phrases, three things that I want you to hear. Is number one, we are called. Number two, we are covered. And number three, we are commissioned. And I want to give you this picture from the pages of Scripture beginning with David. So in 1 Samuel... In 1 Samuel chapter 16, he says this, verse 6, 1 Samuel 16, 6. When they came, he looked at Eliab and thought, surely the Lord has anointed this one before him. I, I want to tell you what's going on. Samuel, the prophet, is going to anoint the next king. Saul has ruined everything. Saul has rebelled against God. Saul never made God the, the king of his life, the Lord of his own heart. So Samuel, the Lord sends Samuel out to anoint the next king. So that Samuel comes to the house of Jesse. That's where we are. He says, when they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, surely the Lord, the Lord has anointed this one. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Somebody say, thank God. <laughs> I've rejected him for the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. And then Jesse made Shema pass by. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not, the Lord has not chosen these. Then Samuel said to Jesse, Are all of your sons here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest, but behold, he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and get him, for we will not sit down till he comes. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. I, I want to start with a really, really simple idea. Number one, God calls us. We have been 
called into a ministry and you say, well, I'm a banker, I'm a doctor, I'm a lawyer. I'm a... We have been called just like David was called. And the beautiful thing about this, and we, can, we could start with just our salvation at bare minimum, the, the very smallest thing the, that we were converted, that God called us out of darkness into the glorious light of His Son, Jesus Christ. We were just like David. Spiritually, we were obscure. We were pushed to the corners of darkness, corners of our own sin and our own pride and our own humanity. And we were absent of God and His calling and His goodness and His righteousness. But God, in His faithfulness, sent for the one in the backside of the field. That was all of us. Whether we like to admit it or not, Scripture says that before God turned the light on in our hearts and in our minds, eye, we were dead in sin. That we were a slave to sin. That we were lost, wandering to and fro. Scripture says that we were strangers and enemies of the cross. But aren't you glad that God doesn't see as man sees? God looked through the portals of time and He looked into every single one of our heart and He called us. Hear this, God doesn't see how man sees. We see a kid oftentimes in this text. We see this young 15, 16, 13-year-old boy, whatever he was, and standing on the backside and with our minds out, we see this kid and we think, how will God use him? And sometimes we could even look at the New Testament where God converts Saul to Paul and he, we look on and we see a murderer. We see a persecutor of the church. We see this lawless man who's exacting orders to persecute Christians. But God from heaven, from his eternal perspective, his all-knowing, all-good position looks and sees the greatest missionary ever sent. We were lawless. We were broken. Without Christ, we were Wandering, drifting at sea with no, absolutely no anchor. But God in His faithfulness, just like He did with David, just like He did with Paul, reached in and called us to repentance. Because we don't see like God sees. And we don't, our, our thoughts aren't like God's thoughts. I love Isaiah 55. It's one of my, my absolute favorite verses. In, in 8 and 9 he says, For my thoughts are... Are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declare the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. We need to understand something tonight, that we are not God. And God has called us to, to a life of joy and everlasting peace, but, but not a life of, of inaction, not a life to where we sit on the sidelines and we just enjoy this place and we enjoy the lights and we enjoy the stained glasses. Beautiful as it is, we've been called for a purpose. And I, I personally believe God's blessed me to be here for a year preaching and teaching and singing at the 1050. And I personally believe that God wants to use our church to change this city. He wants our church to be a hospital for sinners. He's called us not to just be a pretty building with great facilities, but He's called us to be men and women of the cross who shelter the broken. He's called us to be a place where the sinner and the, the, the one who's running for refuge, the broken and the lonely and the destitute can come and find healing and hope and a home. That's what we've been called to do for the kingdom of God. We've all been... David, we've been obscure in our sin, we've been rejected in our weakness, and we don't forget this point, we've been sought out by the Father. It's one of my favorite parts. I wonder what it was like for David. Hanging out with the sheep, smelling like the sheep. 
probably talking to himself on the backside of some desert somewhere because he's out there with just a bunch of sheep, you know. And he looks up and he sees them calling for him. And I want to ask you, faithful followers, been following Jesus 20, 30, 40, 50 years, do you remember that day when Jesus called you from where you were and he brought you into the glorious light of his son, Jesus Christ? Do you remember the day that he, he took your black soul and made it white in him? He took your dead heart and made it beat. Don't we want that for our city? Don't we want that for our brothers and sisters, for the, for the clerk at the store that we pass, for, the, for our friends in business? Don't we want that for our families? Reminds me of Romans 5, Romans 5, 8, where he says, But God shows his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still foolish, like the 16-year-old boy in Scripture in 1 Samuel, while we were still way off in the desert, God had a plan and God had a purpose. So we've been called. Number two, if you're taking notes tonight, just jot this down. Not only have we been called by God, just like David was called out of obscurity, he was called from the desert, from shepherding sheep, he was called to do something extremely incredible for God. We have been covered. And you say, well, TJ, what have we been covered by? And that's the grace of God. We have received the grace of God and have been covered by it. Go to Ephesians if you have your Bibles and want to flip real quick. If not, just, just hang in there with me. I use quite a few scriptures. In Ephesians 4, it says this, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you who, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. And with all humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another, one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. For there is one body in the Spirit, just as we are called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who's over all and in all and through all, by grace. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts. Not only have you been called to do something incredible for the Lord, I don't care if you've been a believer for five days or 50 years, we've been called to be his ambassadors, as I prayed earlier, his personal representation, his fingerprint print in this community, in our families and in this town. We've been called to do something significant to Jesus. If you're a believer, you have no right to sit on the sideline. If you've been saved by the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, you have no right to sit on the sideline and no excuse to sit on the sideline. And I would argue this, if you've spent your life or are spending your life sitting on the sideline, I would question your Christianity. And I know that's hard. I know that's, that's, that's a weighty thought. But he did not call us into a ministry. He didn't call us to be sons and daughters to sit on the sidelines and do nothing for his namesake. He called us by the grace of His gospel and then He covered us with His grace. Sinners, destitute, alone and undone, the God of the universe has called us. What an incredible privilege. When I, when I think about that, when you think about the one who, who spun the universe into existence by his word, breathed into Adam, and he 
took his first breath and saw the garden and the splendor of the Lord, that very same God, the one who split the seas and the one who allowed manna to fall from heaven for the children of Israel, the one who turned water into blood, the one who in the New Testament came and turned water into wine, this very same God has called you right here in Tifton, Georgia to do something significant for his namesake, but he hasn't called you and left you alone. He's equipped you and he's given you grace to do it. And his grace is sufficient. No matter how big the task, no matter how lost the friend, no matter how deep the sin, Christ has called you and Christ has covered you with his grace. We've been covered by the grace for the glory of God and also for the good of our neighbors. I love Psalm 51, continuing with Daniel. And you don't have to turn there, but in Psalm 51, David is repenting of his sin with Bathsheba. That's what the the Psalm 51 is. That's his confession. And, And they did it a little different in David's day. He actually had this psalm sent to the high priest and they sang his confession in the tabernacle. David, the one who was called, stumbled in sin. And then he had his repentance saying in the tabernacle. And this is what he says. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with your willing spirit. I love this verse. He says, then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Listen, I'm going to reiterate the point I made just a few seconds ago. We were called into the ministry and we were covered by the grace of God. When I say ministry, I'm not speaking of the vocational ministry. We believe in the priesthood of all believers. That every single believer, every single person sitting in this pew has been called by God, blessed by God, equipped by God to share your faith in your community. We believe as a church that we're built on love. How unloving is it to pass people every single day who are not believers and don't know the gospel and to keep it to ourselves? How unloving is it? If we're the church built on love, let's be the church built on love. Let it not be a really, really cool, catchy phrase. But let it be the heartbeat that pushes us on. The thing that makes us pursue excellence in this place. The thing that pushes us to spend ourselves for the kingdom of God and His glory. And not our own personal benefit. So we've been covered in grace for the glory of God and for the good of our neighbor. I want you to hear this. We've become agents of grace when we remember where God has brought us from and that we we can also be a part of bringing someone from that place. It's an incredible thing that God, in His perfect knowledge, would use feeble men and women as the agents of His grace. Scripture says it's by the proclaimed word that people repent. When they hear the gospel, their heart is pricked. Their heart is is nicked with grief over their sin and they repent. We get to be the agent of ministry for God. We get to be the mouthpiece of His holiness. So we've been called into the ministry. No matter where we are, no matter what part of life, 
We've been covered by His grace. He has erased, and I want you to hear this tonight, He has erased and abolished your sin. He endured the wrath of God on the cross so that you and I might stand justified and forgiven before God as if we had never sinned. Totally clean, totally forgiven, totally transparent before God. He loves us as we are, but He loves us too much to leave us how we are. So He wants to grow you and equip you. So you've been called, you've been covered by His grace. But hear this, the last point tonight... You have been commissioned. Matthew 28, 18. Go there with me if you will. We've been called from obscurity covered by grace so that we might carry out this great and glorious commission. I said it earlier and I feel like I could say it over and over and over again that we weren't saved just for our own benefit. That God didn't just save us to make us trophies of His glory and believe me, we are because it is an incredible thing to take sorry sinners and turn them into sons and daughters. It's an incredible thing. It's something that only God can do. Our, our own works, our own giving, our own faithfulness could have never won that kind of affirmation and attention and justification and love from God. Our, our Sunday school attendance or our tithing, none of those things would have ever gained God's acceptance. So it's the most beautiful miracle on the planet that God would even convert sorry people like you and I. It's incredible. But it's even, it's as incredible that he would incorporate us into this beautiful ministry. I want you to hear Matthew 28, 18, because here's the purpose. That Here's why we're here. This is why this building is on the corner of this block in this city. This is why we're here. And if this isn't our aim and our goal, then we're wasting our time, our electricity, and our money. Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. That is the aim and goal and point of where we're going together. We have been called, you've heard it 50 times tonight, we've been called into this incredible ministry, we've been converted by the power of the Holy Spirit, we've been covered by His grace, our sin is now a part of our past, it's not a part of our future, our sin has been swept away by the love and mercy of Christ. Not only have you been called though, not only have you been covered by His grace, you've been commissioned, you've been sent. You've been commanded, you've been given this charge to go and make disciples I challenged a few weeks in the 1050. I said, listen, I said, if a year from now we're still sitting here and your buddy's on your left and your buddy's on the right, and we've reached nobody new. We've seen, we, we've seen no one one to the Lord and no one grown in their relationship with Jesus. Then we're bunch, just a bunch of ivory towers of exegesis who know a lot about God but don't really do anything for him. That's not what we're called to. And I don't want to be content with that. as a secular worldview sweeps over our society. Young men and women are being pulled away from the Lord day by day by day. We have an incredible opportunity as a church to take this calling from God seriously 
to take the covering of grace from God seriously and to take this commission seriously. This is a great and glorious commission. But can, I, can I just be honest with you? I wouldn't have wanted me on my team if I was God. <laughs> and I don't know about you. Maybe you feel a lot better about yourself than I do about my, my old sinful past, but I wouldn't have wanted me on my team if I was God. But he put me on his team. And he did the same thing with all of you. And I just want to affirm you tonight that you have been equipped, brother and sister. You have been equipped. You have the gospel living inside of you. Scripture says the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives in you. Don't be fearful, brother and sister. But stand up and share your faith. Love on your neighbor. Get involved in this place. And let's see God do something incredible in our city for His name's sake. Not for the name of First Baptist or for our reputation or so that people pat us on the back or so that the association thinks we're some great church or we turn in good numbers at the end of the year. Throw all of that junk out the window. Let's be busy about winning people to Christ and all of those things take care of themselves. Let's be busy and serious about the call on our life right where you are as a discipler of your family, as your sons and daughters and, and grandchildren, as a discipler at work for, your, for your, even your employer, let them see Christ in you in such a way that it begins to, to draw their heart to Him. Be Christ in your community. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Take your calling serious. Take it serious. And take the grace of God and His covering serious and take this commission serious. Scripture says that we should work while it is day because it will soon be night. There's another piece of Scripture that talks about the harvest being white and ready, but the laborers being few. Tonight I want to pray over you, and we're, and we're going to wind up, and we're, we're going to have a time of invitation, but I, I want to challenge you. I want to just charge you with this. Would you just pray that God would break your heart for the harvest? Would you ask God in His faithfulness to break your heart for what breaks His and to no longer be content with sitting on the sidelines? And if you have been sitting on the sidelines, if you've been just enjoying the benefits and consuming here at this church, would you pray that God would break your heart to do something great for His namesake in our city so that lost, abandoned, broken, rejected sinners might know the same hope that we've experienced in Him? Can we pray that together? God, break our hearts. God, don't let us be sideline Christians. Let me pray for you and we'll respond. Lord, you are the greatest of all time. We pray that, we believe that, we cling to that, we hope in that. Nothing catches you by surprise. And tonight we know, God, that we've all been placed here. We've all been put here for a specific purpose and a plan. You have us here for a reason. So I pray, God... I pray over my own heart tonight, Lord, that you would break my heart for the lost. Break my heart for this city, God. Allow me to spend myself for the glory of your gospel. And I pray that over 
over our faithful brothers and sisters who, who come and who serve you, God, Lord, that you would stir our affections to disciples, stir our, our affections to see the lost brought home. Don't let us be comfortable with our, with our cliques and our, our holy huddles of people, but let us branch out and let us bring in the lost and the broken. God, let us see your name lifted high in this community. Because we confess and we believe, unless you do that, Lord, it won't happen. We're not smart enough, we're not strong enough to do this thing on our own. We desperately need your Holy Spirit, and we confess that. You are good, you are glorious, and God, I thank you so much for the opportunity to trumpet your name. Jesus, we love you, and we can't wait to see you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's respond together.